Testing, testing. Oh, just making sure. Good morning, sunshine. How's everybody doing? Uh, bless God. Um, I really want to say thank you for allowing me to come into your, your church building today. <laughs> I really give God thanks and praise. I want to say it's really good being among you all. It's really good being among you all. Amen? Amen. 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 Are you happy to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. 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 I feel like family here. I feel like you're family here, and that's a good thing. Because I'm a little island boy from a very little island. All the way in the Caribbean. Hey, come on. <laughs> I, I heard you, bro. I heard you, Ethan. Oh, my gosh. But I give God thanks and praise. Um, I, I just want to say thank you to you as a church family. I especially want to thank um, your pastor, Pastor Aaron Keller, a dear friend of mine. Um, this man has been such an encouragement to myself and to the ministry back home in St. Vincent and the Grenadines. And you know, one, one thing I want to encourage the church to do is to keep this man and the general work of spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ in prayer. Because I don't know if you might take it for granted or not, but this man has touched lives all around this world. And you mightn't even realize from deep jungles to small islands to high mountains to the, the weirdest of places, this man has led teams to minister. And I am, I am a testimony of that. You know, our church was impacted by volcanic eruptions and hurricanes. And this man came with a team to help us to rebuild that church roof and to, and to do a great and a mighty work there. And I know they were also able to do ministry in prisons and, and different places. And, and a lot of men that came with him, they were exposed to what it means to actively be part of the Great Commission. So I want to say, appreciate your pastor. Appreciate him. Pray for him. He's doing a mighty, mighty work. Amen? Amen. Amen. And I want you also to be motivated by that because from what I know, Sunshine Open Bible has contributed a lot to the Great Commission all around this world. And I want to tell you, keep up the good work. Amen. 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 Bless God. All right. Well, my name is Chad. Or you might say Pastor Chad from St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Everybody understand my accent, right? Okay, okay, good. I was praying, Lord, please help them to understand. I'm not going to do my American accent, man. I am not. <laughs> that, that, um, that feels so weird. All right, then, let's go. <laughs> bless God. So, Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise. We bless your name. Lord, we thank you for this moment that we could hear from your word. Your word says that the very entrance of your word brings light and it brings understanding. And Father, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for the privilege that I can share your word. Lord, I'm just your messenger. This is not my word, this is yours, but I just wanna say it is a privilege to be your messenger. And it is a privilege that all of us, including myself, could hear what you want to say. So Father, help our hearts and our minds and our very spirit to be receptive to what you have to say to us today. And we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless God. You know, I have been a pastor. This year would make five years since I've been the senior pastor at the Open Bible Church in um, Kingstown, St. Vincent. And it really, when you reach such a milestone, quote unquote, <laughs> of five years, it, it, it causes you to think. It causes you to reflect as to like, how this entire process began. 
And, I, and when we were in Thailand, I had an entire message planned. I said, I think this, and notice what I said, I think, what did I say? I think this is the message. And God says, no. <laughs> right? So I had my assumption. So, okay, this message, this is a cool message. This is a nice sounding message. This is a nice message. And two days before we left, God told me, you see that message? I want you to scrap it. That's not the message I have for you to tell um, Sunshine Open Bible. Instead, he gave me another message. And I was like, God, is sure? And he says, yes. That is the message I want you to say to um, Sunshine Open Bible. And before I get into the scriptural text, I want to tell you, I want to tell you exactly why I'm giving you this message and how I was actually able, or what motivated me to actually structure this message together. And it was a dream that God gave me. Now, I didn't want to be a pastor. It was never a dream of mine to be a pastor. I do not have a family that... I don't have pastors in my family. I'm the first in my family to even do anything remotely close to this. All right? As a matter of fact, if you look at my family, throughout the years, my family has not been known to be churchgoers. So all of a sudden, this little island boy just pops up and he's a pastor. Like, <laughs> what? Like, it's, it's the weirdest thing. If you understand my family, it's, a, it's the weirdest thing. But I, I praise God for his mercy and his grace. But I didn't want to be a pastor, and I was at a very dark place in my life. I became a pastor in 2019, and in 2018, a year before I became a pastor, God gave me a dream that shook me to the core. It, probably one of those peer pants kind of dreams, right? But God gave me a dream that shook me to my core, straight to my core, one year before I became a pastor. Now, in the dream, obviously I was sleeping, <laughs> and in the dream, I found myself in an abandoned building, and the building was made out of brick, and it was just, the building seemed so damaged, and it was dark, and it was gloomy, and I was walking through it, and I was wondering, why in the world am I here? It looked like um, some abandoned old cobbles, not cobblestone, like uh, some abandoned old stone building, like a colonial kind of design building. And I was wondering, why am I here? And then in the dream, all of a sudden, I heard a voice from the heavens shout. And I literally, I wasn't sleeping, but I literally felt my entire body and the entire place shake. And the voice said, Chad. Just like that, Chad. Chad. Chad, yeah. You didn't have to repeat it, but cool. All right. <laughs> the voice said, Chad. Many persons are flirting with the flames of hell, and you are one. I was like, what? So then, I, let me say that again. And the voice didn't say it in a still manner. The voice said it in a thunderous manner. Many persons are flirting with the flames of hell, and you are one. Now, it's a very hard thing for a pastor to confess, but I don't care, I'll confess it. That, that's what the voice told me. And of course, I wasn't a pastor at the time, but you get the point. And when I heard it, I was like, what in the world? First of all, it was the first time I ever heard of a phrase, flirting with the flames of hell, because I never really acquainted those two terms together, flirting and the flames of hell together. It's like, it's so weird. 
But then I felt a sudden sense of terror, and I said, oh my God, what have I done? Because, you know, I have been very, very busy in church. Before that, I was involved in youth ministry. I was a musician for years. Um, did a little worship leading here and there. Advised the pastor in doing certain things. I, I was very active. And you know, sometimes you get so active in church that you believe that that is the, that is the significant indicator of your salvation. Your busyness in church. You know? And you know, as you get busy, the, the busier and the busier that you get is the more that you say, well, you know, I'm, I'm saved, I'm saved. Because, you know, I'm in the youth ministry, I'm preaching, God is using me, God allows me to speak into the lives of people. And then all of a sudden, bam, you're flirting with the flames of hell, Chad. You're flirting with the flames of hell, just like many Christians. And in the dream, I remember in that old abandoned building, I got on my knees and I started to cry out. This is in my dream. I said, God, forgive me. Then I woke up out of the dream and I went to the side of my bed and I said, God, forgive me. I don't know if God hears prayers or repentance in dreams, so I didn't want to take it for granted. I, I didn't know. So I said, you know what? Just to ensure, let me go to the side of my bed and pray, Lord, forgive me, because I don't know if it counted in the dream. And then I went back to sleep, and I had another dream. And in the dream, I was in my mother's house, and I was in the kitchen area. And my mother's house is structured in this way where her front door leads into her kitchen. So I was in the kitchen area, and somebody was on the, on the door, banging on the door. Bam, bam, bam. And I was like, who is that? Who, who, who could be so brave? To, to, you know? So I looked out the kitchen window, and I saw there was a man, strange man. And he was just hitting the door, hitting the door, hitting the door. And I said, hey, what are you doing there? And he looks at me and he laughs and he keeps banging the door. And all of a sudden, God put it in my heart in the dream, that's an evil spirit. So I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, get away from my door. So he looks at me and his entire face changes. His teeth become sharp like razor and he turns into this creepy monster. And he does like this, like, you know, just to, just to scare me. I was a bit concerned, but I said, no, in the name of Jesus Christ, get away from my door. And he did. And I woke up from the dream. And you know, God showed me a very, he taught me a very important lesson that night. It, 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 it had me shook. I don't even want to say for days. It still has me shook to this moment. What God showed me there six years ago. And that message that God gave me where he said, many Christians are flirting with the flames of hell. And Chad, soon to be at the time, Pastor Chad, musician Chad, worship leader Chad, you president Chad, you are one of them. Imagine that. You are one of them. So then now, I was looking at this sermon. I was wondering, what's a good scripture that highlights this? And the Holy Spirit led me to this particular scripture, 1 Samuel chapter 3. And this is our main scriptural text. We'll read from verse 1 to 3, and then we'll skip over to verse 7, and then we'll skip over to verse 14. So 1 Samuel chapter 3, reading from verse 1 to 3, and then we'll go to 7 and then 14. And it says, verse 1, it says, Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now, in those days, messages from the Lord were popular? No. What, what were they? 
rare. They were rare. And visions were quite uncommon. Wow. So we're talking about a time in Israel's history where it seems like no one was hearing from God. Everybody understands that, right? Verse 2. One night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, he had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was sleeping. And look at where Samuel was sleeping. He was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Right? And then we go over to verse 7 now. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a vision from the Lord. Right? Never before did Samuel have a vision from the Lord. Everybody's following, right? And then verse 14 now. So, and listen, this verse 14 is the ending of what God was telling Samuel. God says to Samuel, so I have vowed that the sins of Eli and his sons will never be forgiven. And check this out. It will never be forgiven by sacrifices or offerings. Wow. That was hard. So we see a situation here where Israel is seemingly in a very spiritually dark place because nobody was hearing from God. Even, Sam, even Eli, sorry, himself, who was then the high priest, the high priest wasn't hearing from God. Imagine serving under a pastor who isn't hearing from God. Wow, what a travesty. Imagine you not hearing from God. What an even greater travesty. So nobody apparently was hearing from God, even though there were priests, even though there were prophets, even though there were worship leaders, even though there were pastors, nobody was hearing from God. It seemed as if the message from God or any message from God was rare. Everybody following me? Yeah. And then now, all of a sudden, God chose to reveal himself mightily, not to Eli, not to Eli's sons, but he chose to reveal himself to a little boy, Samuel. And God ministered to Samuel, and at first Samuel didn't even know it was God. But Eli had to come and help Samuel to understand that God was the one who was trying to speak to you. And that kind of showed me that Eli probably used to hear from God. Because when Samuel told Eli what was happening, Eli said, oh... It could be that God is trying to speak to you. I could imagine that old man, Eli, remembering when God used to speak to him. Remembering when he probably had some essence of intimacy with God. And then something happened along the way and broke that intimacy down. And then God now, instead of speaking to you as the high priest, God chose to speak through a little boy. And God wanted you to hear a message, but you couldn't even listen or recognize his voice. So what did God have to do? God had to bring that message to Eli through a little boy, Samuel. Imagine that. Imagine that. But God's message was not a pretty one because Eli's sons were doing foolishness. We, we won't go into everything they were doing, but they were doing craziness. And they were supposed to be priests. But they weren't doing what priests should be doing. And Eli was basically, he wasn't correcting them or anything. He was just letting it happen. 
And all of these people, they were not fulfilling the God-given responsibilities that they had. And God had to say, you know what? Enough is enough. And he had to start this through a little boy. What, what a humbling occurrence. That sometimes we go through church and we go through all of these different things in church. And sometimes God has to use children to humble us. My son humbles me tremendously. He's five years old. Tremendously. You know, <laughs> you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm preparing a sermon or something and my son comes and he wants time to play and I have to give him the time. I have to give him the time. I remember even one point in time, I was struggling to find a message. I, I, I knew I had to preach a message, but I didn't know what to preach. And my son came to me, daddy, daddy. And I said, not now, not now, not now. Hold on, daddy's trying to get this. And the Holy Spirit ministered to me and said, go and play with your son. So I did. While playing with my son, God gave me that message. I was like, wow. All of this time I had all of these books, concordances and, and, and references, and I'm there researching. You know, you research Hebrew and Greek and all of these things. And all the time God wanted to reveal himself through something as simple as your child. Imagine that. So when I understood this situation with Samuel and with Eli... And I remember what God said. It humbled me tremendously. Because I said, Lord, I understand what you mean when you said I was flirting with the flames of hell. I was flirting with the flames of hell. Now, there are two in, in, um, to understand this, there are two important factors we have to remember. And these are the two factors. One, God's grace has been shown to us. Amen. God has been gracious to us. You must understand that. That is probably the, the, the most foundational factor in your Christian work that you should understand. God loves you and he has shown you grace. But there is a second factor I want to encourage you to understand and it's this. You have a responsibility towards your faith. You see, many of us as believers, we focus on the grace of God. But we also don't consider our responsibility. Because you see, we said, you know what? I'm saved. So I can do anything I want. God loves me. You know, God loves you. I say it in American accent. God loves you, man. <laughs> he loves you. You know, and it's true. And it's true. Let me tell you something. Understanding God's love will transform you tremendously. It will transform you tremendously. But you know, a lot of us, we go about life and we said, well, okay, you know, God loves me, he shows me grace, so even if I fornicate, he will, he will, um, he loves me, he loves me. Even if I commit adultery, he'll love me. Even if I gossip, ooh, Pastor Chad went there. Yeah, gossip is a sin in case anybody, everybody know gossip is a sin? Yeah. Uh, okay, as, as a couple of people say, no, it's not. It is, it is, it, it is, um, yeah, <laughs> right? It is, trust me. You know, um, being this, we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And you see, we have an issue where not only are we not fulfilling our responsibilities towards God, but there are many of us that we then become unreliant on the grace of God. Instead, we rely on ministry and church activities and the amount of money you give to somehow classify us for salvation. And you might not confess it, but when you look deep in your heart, you realize, wait, I think I'm a bit too reliant on ministry 
as an indicator of my salvation. And that's a very dangerous place to be. Extremely dangerous place to be. You might say, well, Pastor Chad, how can that be a dangerous place to be? Because you might say, I am a worship leader. I am a drummer, like Pastor Keller, right? <laughs> I, um, I pick up the tithes and the offerings. I, I, just like Jamie, I, I work on the um, sound and so on. I do these things. Lord, I give I gift to missions. I, I gave $100, $200, $2,000. I gave to missions, Lord. And I'm saying those are good things. But there's a particular scripture verse in, this, in the Bible that humbles us in this regard. Now, I didn't give the team this one, but I have to mention this scripture. Matthew chapter 7, verse 14. Many will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, I prophesied in your name. I did all of these great works in your name. Jesus said, and I will say to them, depart from me. I know you're not. And I was like, what? Every time I read a scripture, it's like, how in the world? I pray for someone to receive healing. I pray for someone. I speak a prophetic word into the life of someone. I, I do all of these things. How then does that not qualify me? And you know what the issue is? And I remember I shared this with the men in Thailand because I heard a preacher say it. The preacher said, if you stand before God and he says, why should I let you into my heaven? And you begin your response by saying, because I, then you're in trouble. As soon as you begin to give your response by giving it this beginning um, portion, because I, you're already in trouble. You cannot carry yourself into heaven. You cannot. No matter what you do. Good works are a spill-off from the salvation work. When God does a work of salvation in your life, he then leads you to good works. Amen? Amen. But guess what? That does not qualify you. And look at what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7. He says, depart from me for I don't know you. Which means that in all of your prophecies, in all of your church building, in all of your missionary works, in all of your giving, in all of your singing, in all of your whatever, you did not establish a relationship with him. And you know what happened? God is saying, and this is what he said to me, and this is what he's saying to us. When we do these things, when we rely on things that we do, when we rely on our efforts, that is when we start flirting. That is when we start flirting. Because if you cannot realize that Christ is the one who qualifies you for eternal life, and you begin to live, you might confess it with your mouth, but you live your life in a way where you're saying that the works that I do is what qualifies me. You mightn't say it, but you live it. The works that I do. Because you might say, well, I know I could only enter into heaven through Jesus Christ. But imagine if you have been saved for 50 years and Christ said, no, you can't enter. All of a sudden, I know certain persons here, you would say, but Lord, I was saved for 50 years. I built this church. My grandparents or my cousin, aunties, uncle, nephew, somebody, built this church. We helped to build this church. Lord, you have to let me in. No, he doesn't. 
No, he doesn't. Now, I honestly don't know why I'm giving this message, except that I'm doing it out of obedience to God. And I believe that even if it's one person, this is for, it's absolutely worth it. It's worth this island boy coming from 80-something degree Fahrenheit temperature to this frozen tundra, kind of. <laughs> it's, it's worth it. It's worth it. God help me, it's worth it. So you see, it all goes back now to Eli and his sons because I'm sure they believe that they were doing righteous acts. You know, Eli's sons were sleeping with women in the entrance of the temple while fulfilling their priestly duties. Wow. No fear of God, eh? Wow. You could imagine that? And there are people who do that kind of foolishness all around. And Eli, he wasn't even correcting his children. So all of them were in this massive flirtatious circle that just had one massive tragic end. Where God says, listen, not even sacrifices could save Eli's lineage. So then now we have to ask ourselves this question, what is flirting? And I think everybody probably knows what is flirting. Flirting, it, 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 it refers to behavior that results in you making romantic or sexual advances to someone, but you do it for playful reasons rather than for serious intentions. I think everybody here knows what flirting is, right? Yep. Uh, some people are like, oh, that unholy word, what is he saying? Um, but I think everybody knows what flirting is. Some of you may have been flirts at some point in your life, and some of you may have been flirted on. One thing you realize, though, is when persons are flirting with you or when you flirt with someone, it's never for pure intentions. It's never for pure intentions. Like, for example, if you see a girl that you like, you say, and, you, and you, know, you have certain feelings and whatever, you go to her because you have certain desires, but it's nothing serious. You, you don't go so that you can say, listen, I want to build a relationship. I want to build a life with this person. No. You want other things, which I would not mention here today, right? But, but you get the point, right? Amen? Yep. Amen. Amen. We're being real here, people. We're being real here because God wants us to be real here. So then, no. There is an issue with flirts, though, with flirtation. And this is the issue. You can flirt with somebody, but you cannot control how they respond to you. You cannot control. You might see someone, you flirt with them, and then you say, okay, I'm finished, I'm moving on. But that person might not move on. They build an emotional attachment to you. And you mightn't be able to do anything about that. Nothing at all. And you might get annoyed. <laughs> but the thing is, you did things to cause that person to be attracted to you. Right? But you know, we do the same thing with sin. We flirt with sin. Because let me tell you something, and many Christians might not um, admit this, but sin can be sweet. Sin can be sweet. Of course, you know, certain sweet things could lead to diabetes. You know, not, not, not everything that tastes good is necessarily good. You understand? Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's the truth. It's the truth, right? So then now we realize here now that sometimes we are engaged in this flirtatious relationship with sin because sin is sweet. Sin can be sweet. But the thing is, 
You have the intention of meddling with sin to acquire some kind of temporary pleasure, and then you run away. So, okay, let me go back to Jesus. Oh, but that fornication seems nice. Oh, but that adultery seems nice. That gossip seems nice. It seems so sweet. But you know what? I'm just going to meddle a bit, dabble my hands in it a bit, and then I'm going to go back to Jesus and say, Lord, forgive me. And then I'm going to go back again. And when I meddle in sin again, I'm going to go back and say, Lord, forgive me. And you're going to do that about 10,000 times. And then we're going to ask the question, what in the world is going on with you? Are you truly transformed? Are you truly saved? Because you keep going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And God is merciful, yeah, but I mean, come on. You have to ask yourself, when are we going to say enough is enough? When are we going to say enough is enough? That's a serious question to ask. You see, the scripture highlights something important to us in, to us in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, where it says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it is of the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life can all be very sweet things. But I'm telling you, they lead to one thing, death and destruction. So therefore, now that we realize sometimes that we can be guilty of flirting, we then have to ask ourselves this question. Lord, if I am guilty with flirting with the very flames of hell, what can I do to stop flirting? What can I do to stop this dangerous trend, to stop this, this dangerous interaction with sin that would lead me down dangerous and destructive paths? Well, I want to highlight four things very quickly to you that could help you to get out of that flirtatious relationship. You ready for them? Yep. I won't be long. I know some person's thinking about the Super Bowl. <laughs> I understand. I understand. I understand. But I wanted to consider this. I really wanted to consider this because I think that God really has it for us to, to hear what he has to say. And the first thing is this. You must remember that you have a sinful nature. Let's say that again. You must remember that you have a what? A sinful nature. All right? Psalm chapter 51 verse 5 says that we were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. And Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Or as the ESV says, for everyone has sinned and we have fallen short of God's glorious standards. Everyone, everyone has done that. Imagine that. Now, I used to ask God this question all the time. I said, Lord, when Adam and Eve ate that fruit and you told them not to and you punished them, why did you have to also punish me? Anybody ever ask that question? Why is it that I had to suffer the effects of sin? Why is it that my father and my grandfather and the people before me and even the people after me have to suffer the effects of sin? It seems so unfair. One time I, 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 did, ask, I did inquire of that in my heart to God. Like, why? 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 And for years I pondered upon that question and the Holy Spirit ministered to me. 
and help me to understand this. He says, you ask that question because you don't understand the seriousness of sin. And it's true, you know, a lot of us don't understand how serious sin is. We see sin as a bad course of actions, as terrible course of actions, or bad habits. But the Holy Spirit ministered to me something a few years ago that really hit home to me. He says, sin is not just a course of really bad actions, you know, Chad. Sin is a covenant. Sin was a covenant. I said, what? Yes, yeah, sin was a covenant. He said, and there's something you have to understand about covenants. As a matter of fact, the Holy Spirit ministered three things to me about covenants. He says, one, a covenant has to be initiated through will and action. If you enter into a covenant, it's through will and action. My brother Kelton is getting married soon to Lily. Hola, Lily, this, this guy is obsessed with you. He loves you. Anyway, <laughs> right? But we couldn't grab these two people together and drag them and say, get married now. I mean, there are some cultures that technically do that, but we realize that that could lead to pretty destructive trends or destructive events. So guess what happened? Both of them had to come to an agreement that, listen, we want to get married to one another and enter into this marital covenant. Everybody following me? So that means the thing is they had to be willing. The second thing about covenants we have to understand is you could only escape it through death, through dying. That's why we say in marriages, till death do us part. Yeah. And the third thing about covenants you have to understand is that covenants are intergenerational. Meaning that when you enter a covenant, it doesn't just apply to you. It applies to those who come after you. Let me give you a biblical example. Abraham, God made a covenant with Abraham. And as a result of that covenant, it impacts us today. Because the scripture says we were engrafted into the fold. So that we know as believers, though we are not Jews, we could receive the blessings of Abraham. That is because God made an eternal covenant with Abraham that lasts today. And it was solidified when Christ died on the cross. So when Christ died on the cross, it solidified that covenant God made with Abraham. And as a result, if any man, any man is in Christ, he could become a new creation. Not just a Jew, but also us Gentiles. Bless God, eh? What a beautiful thing. But then the Holy Spirit had to and, uh, help me to understand. You see, just like how I established a covenant with um, Abraham... Adam and Eve established a covenant with Lucifer because they signed on to something and they didn't read the fine print. They signed on to a document that says, listen, when you eat of this fruit, your eyes will be open. You will become like gods. You will know good and evil. But they forgot the fine print. And the thing is, the frustrating part is God told them what the fine print was before. He said, the day you eat that fruit, you will surely die. That was the fine print. But they forgot all about it. So they made an, an agreement. And guess what? There now was established a covenant of sin that has affected every single human being ever since. But Jesus stepped in and crushed the head of the serpent. 
even though the serpent bruises heel. When Jesus stepped in and crushed that serpent, it means, listen, it doesn't matter that you were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. What matters is that you surrender to Jesus Christ. You surrender your life and allow Jesus Christ to enter into you. That's why the Apostle Paul says, he says, listen, Christ in me is my hope of glory. Christ is the one who will help me to stand before God. And I could stand before God boldly. And God could look at me and say, well done, good and faithful servant. You think it's because God is seeing you? No. I, might, I can't go and say, Lord, look me, Pastor Chad Graves. I have a bachelor's in blah, 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 and a master's. None of that foolishness matters. God is going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, because when he sees me, he sees Christ in me. That's what qualifies you, whether like it or not. I know you look good, you dress well, you smell nice, you accomplish a lot of things, but that is not going to help you. It's not. Christ has to be in you. That's your hope of glory, amen? amen. Yeah, that's your hope of glory. Here's your hope of glory. Nothing else. No other habit, no ministry, no title, none of that. Those things are just fluff. Those things are just side, side missions. <laughs> Side quests, let me put it like that, for, for the gamers in the house. Couple side quests there, couple side quests there, you fulfill those things. But there is a main mission. What is the main mission? To become like Christ. Main mission. And if you don't fulfill that main mission, even if you do the side quest, you fail the game. Yeah. That main mission has to be fulfilled to become like Christ, where Christ is seen in you. So then that's what we understand. Yes, though we have a sinful nature, Christ has come to redeem us, to change our nature. So that as 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. All the things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. Amen? Amen. I hope nobody is angry that I said some of us are flirting with the flames of hell, you know. And even if you are, it doesn't matter. Because we have to say what we have to say. Amen? Amen. Bless God. The second thing I want you to understand to prevent you from flirting with the flames of hell is this. You have a responsibility towards your faith. You have a responsibility towards your faith. That's the second thing. The first thing was understanding that you have a sinful nature. But Christ came to change that nature. The second thing is you have a responsibility towards your faith. You cannot go around and just saying. Doing nothing and say, the grace of God is keeping me, and the grace of God is keeping you indeed. God will forgive me, and he has forgiven you indeed. But some of us struggle to pray. Some of us don't even want to pray. Some of us don't even want to read the word. We take, we take everything that especially televangelist pastors give us and feed us. And sometimes it could be good, and sometimes it could be utter garbage. It's true. It's true. It's true. You know, the United States of America, I don't think you guys fully understand the impact that you have on the world. You know? But here's a little island boy coming to tell you. Most of this world's media, most of this world's media intake, sorry, comes from the U.S. There's a statistic that says as much as 85 to 90 percent. You could imagine that? Most of the world's information comes from this country. That includes not just news information, but that also includes theological information. And then we have influential pastors who preach different things. They preach truth, but some preach, ugh, me. you know? 
And then now people gobble that up. Or, it, 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 or we're, what we're realizing is that even American pastors, they act as the measuring stick or the definition of what Christianity is to many people around the world. People are not considering the 200 plus million Christians in China and in the underground churches. They're surely not considering the, the Christians in St. Vincent. Some people don't even know my country exists. But America, you guys are influential. Influential. But you see, because you are so influential, it actually is a blessing. Because it means you have a, a prime opportunity to show responsibility towards your faith so that you could impact this world. But many of us don't. We don't want to pray. We don't want to read the word of God. We, don't, God we, we say, Lord, wherever you lead, I will go. And when he tells you go in some jungle in Cambodia, he says, no, 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 Lord, no, mosquitoes, ew, no. When he tells you, you know, give such and such money to missions, oh, Lord, no, no. When he tells you get up 3 o'clock in the morning every day and pray, you're like, no, Lord, mm-mm, no, 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 beauty sleep. Lord, besides that, whatever you tell me to do, I will do. We're some brave people, you know. We're some brave people. I remember um, I was sharing with Pastor Aaron that, you know, I, I went through a very rough period last year. Last year, was, the past two years were very rough for my family and I. My wife and I, we lost twins. My, fa my, um, my, my, my parents had various health difficulties. And there were so many things happening to me. It was a spiritually dark time. Dark, dark, spiritually time. And, you know, God had to help me to understand certain things. He had to help me to understand that I had a responsibility towards my faith, and I was not fulfilling that responsibility. So as a result, I was pushing myself in darker and darker places. I was crying out, Lord, help me, but I was not spending time with him. I was saying, Lord, Lord, reveal yourself to me, but I was not willing to spend an hour with him. Or half an hour. I was going through issues, and in going through those issues, I couldn't even use the word of God to help me to go through those issues. Because guess what? Even though I was a pastor, the word of God was not in me richly. I could do a sermon, and I could say this and that, blah, blah, blah. Genesis 1-1 says that. But when I'm going through depression and suicidal thoughts and all kind of foolishness, I couldn't even use the word of God to apply it to my situation. And that's when I said, mm -mm, enough is enough. The Holy Spirit even instructed me a couple mornings. He says, you get up, get up, get up. So wait before me, spend time in prayer, read my word, let it soak into you. And guess what? I got my healing. I got breakthrough because King David told us what the word does. He says in Psalm 24, he says, who could ascend the hill of the Lord? And he says, only him with clean hands and a pure heart. And David says in another psalm, he says, how can a young man cleanse his ways? By obeying the word of God. That is what cleanses you, not works, the word of God. The word of God in you brings healing and breakthrough and deliverance. Why you think our young people are so messed up? You think parents are teaching them the word? Let, let me tell you something. I love this country. I appreciate this country, but you guys are doing some foolishness. foolishness and I will say that boldly foolishness 
taking prayer out of schools, building statues and, of Lucifer and giving them rights. This whole LGBT foolishness. Gosh, boy. America, you have a serious spiritual responsibility to the well-being of this earth. And you're messing it up. People look at this country as a beacon of hope. People look at this church as a beacon of hope. You have a serious responsibility and you're messing it up. And you know, I, this is not me casting blame because I even look at myself and say, Chad, you have a serious responsibility. And a lot of times I had to be honest with myself and say, boy, you're messing it up. Think I'm going to be up here presenting myself to be perfect? No. Think I'm going to be up here trying to please you? No, I'm not. Some of you probably are probably angry at what I'm saying. I hope not, but I don't know. But it doesn't matter. Because God gave me a word to give to you. And as I give this word, I know even if it's one person, it's going to minister. It's going to minister to somebody, and it's ministering to me. It's even convicting me. I have to be honest with you. We got to be honest, people. We have to be honest with ourselves. We have a responsibility towards our faith. You have a responsibility to pray, to read in the word, to walk in, in obedience to God, to telling others about Jesus Christ. Sometimes we, don't, we are too ashamed to even tell our neighbors about Jesus. And I understand America is becoming a place that is making it much more difficult to do evangelism. I recognize that. That's why you, you have to rely on the Holy Spirit even more. Because it seems like you could, even if you breathe too hard, you're going to get sued. If you just stand up for Christian, your, your, your Christian rights, it seems like everybody's just ready to incarcerate you. I understand. It, 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 it really is a difficult time for a believer. All over the world, I think about the Christians in northern Nigeria. Oh, my goodness. They're being killed left, right, and center. The Christians in China, those in Iran, those in North Korea, oh my goodness, they, they, they are really experiencing it. But I'm telling you, the God already says what will happen in these last days. Despite all the turbulent things that are going to happen around us, he says, listen, this gospel will be preached to the ends of the earth. And let me tell you something, there is going to be a revival. It's already starting, like never before. It might not seem like that, but trust me, it's gonna, it, it, it's sweeping this earth. And it's going to start in your life. Amen? Right here in sunshine. You might not be a mega church, but God is going to do a mega work in you. Amen. Bless God. At least a few people grasp us. So I'm glad for that. Amen. That's right. So you have a responsibility towards your faith. So listen, you cannot depend on your mother or your father's salvation. You can't say, oh, my, my, my mama, she prays for me, man. So what are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah, okay, your mother prays for you, your father prays for you, your granny prays for you. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Are you going to say, well, Pastor Aaron, he, he's, he's spreading the gospel in Thailand and spreading the gospel in St. Vincent. So what are you doing? Personal responsibility. Amen? Amen. Third thing, very quickly, it's important that we understand our place in Jesus Christ. This is the third point. Understand your place in Jesus Christ. Now, there are two things I want you to understand about this point. 
in terms of our place in Jesus Christ. Sometimes I think that we don't understand who we are in Christ. And that is why we continue flirting with sin. Because you don't understand who you are in Christ. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 says, chapter 4 verse 3, it says, it is God's will that you should be sanctified. It is God's will that you should be what? Sanctified. Sanctification means a process that leads you to become like Jesus Christ. That is what sanctification is. And Luke chapter 10 verse 19 says, Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall harm you. So when I looked at those two scripture verses, I realized a very important thing. In Christ, we are supposed to be in a place of sanctification and a place of authority. Christ is doing a work in us so that we could become more like him. And he has also given us spiritual authority over the powers of the enemy. Now, I hope there's nobody here who doesn't think that things like demons don't exist. I don't, I don't think so. But they, they do. And we see them all over. We see them in our government systems. We see them in our schools. We see them... All over the place and how, how, they aim, how, how they twiddle their fingers and they, and they manipulate leaders and teachers and influential people and celebrities. How, how they do that so that they could impact this world, not with the gospel, but with the very terrible news of the enemy's destruction. But I'm here to tell you this, right? You have authority over every power of darkness, Amen. over every single one of them. Yep. You have authority. You don't need to be afraid of, oh, oh you know, like, like some people say, you know, I, I feel like the devil is attacking our church. Good. Good, let him attack. Let him come. Because if he wasn't attacking this church, something was wrong. If, he, if, if there is no satanic attack coming to you as a believer, something is wrong. Yeah, something is terribly wrong. If you do not sense that, listen, there are things that are rising up against you and your family, something is wrong. Because we as believers, we have to be a threat to the kingdom of darkness. We can't be in association with the kingdom of darkness. That's why God is telling us today, don't flirt with the flames of hell. So listen, engage in a sanctification process, meaning become more like Jesus Christ. In, um, I think it was 2 Thessalonians, no, 1 Corinthians, sorry, chapter, 2 Corinthians, sorry, chapter 3, verse 8, the Apostle Paul says, listen, God is doing a work in you, and I'm, I'm, I'm just paraphrasing, and he says, God is doing a work in you so that he is manifesting himself more in you so that when it's as if you look in a mirror, you would see Christ, and he's carrying you from one level of glory to another level of glory. I'm just paraphrasing it, but that is what God wants to do in your life, to transform you to be like Christ. And then he wants you to operate in a position of authority. That's when you understand your place in Christ, where Christ is seated above, above all the principalities and powers as seen in Ephesians chapter 3. And Ephesians chapter 3 highlights to us that, listen, Christ has made revealed to the church the mysteries of salvation. 
And he has expressed that mystery through the church so that even the powers of darkness could see through the church. He has hidden that so that it could be expressed from the church and Satan could look and say, wait, but how Ethan, wait, something wrong. Ethan used to be involved in sinful habits. And all of a sudden, Ethan has forsaken those sinful habits. What's going on? And that's when we realize, oh, Christ is doing a redeeming work in the lives of us wretched people. Amen? Because we're wretched people on our own, eh? but with Christ, we're more than conquerors. And, that's, and, and I'm going to tell you this. This is not for me to, to um, degrade your self-esteem. On your own, you are nothing. On my, let, me, let me say it to myself. Chad, on your own, you are nothing. But with Christ, oh, listen. With Christ, you're more than a conqueror. With Christ, you're heir of God, a joint heir with Christ Jesus. You're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. You're a lender and you're not a borrower. Hey, Christ. Christ makes the difference, you know. And when you take Christ out of that equation, oh, then you become a, a, a filthy rag, as Isaiah said. Your righteousness becomes like these filthy rags. You. A rag, you know a rag that you used to do everything? You blow your nose in it. You wash your car in it. You do everything with it. Oh, gosh, filthy. And then you say, oh, this is my trusty rag. I can do everything with this rag. Ah, oh, yuck. Throw that away. And let Christ do something new in you. And then finally, the last factor to help us to refrain from flirting with the flames of hell is we must understand that we are to be united with one another. Um, this was a theme, this was our theme for the trip in Thailand. And we saw how unity helped us to overcome so many things. As a matter of fact, the scripture says in Hebrews chapter 3 verse 13, it says you must warn each other every day while it is still today. And check out this next part. So that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. I was sharing this with the men, and I really thank God just for that, because each man, you know, most of the men, we had opportunities to share in devotions and so on. And it's a scripture that ministered to me because I realized something. We do have a responsibility towards our faith, but the Holy Spirit has instituted a mechanism to help us to overcome sin, a mechanism known as unity. It says you have to encourage one another while it is today so that you will overcome the deceitfulness of sin. It never said, stay in your room and, and lock yourself in your room and just pray for the next 24 hours. I mean, that helps. It, it helps if the Holy Spirit leads you to do that. But he says you have to encourage one another. Because even if you spend time alone with God in prayer, and you do that every day, you need one another. Because at one point in time, you might feel like you're all alone in this Christian faith. And nobody is there to encourage. Being a pastor is a very lonely job. Lonely. Yes, you have board members around you. You have elders, deacons, and church members. And church members are not the easiest people to deal with. <laughs> They're not. Listen, I mean, even if you're upset with me, it's okay, I love you. 
But church members are not easy people to deal with at all. But you know what I have to say sometimes, even when I might feel upset with church members, the Holy Spirit helps me to understand. He says, listen, I was merciful to you and a child. I was merciful to you. So why can't you be merciful to your, to your congregants? And I say, Lord, that's true. That's true. We need each other. Jesus prayed in John chapter 17, verse 21 to 23. He says, I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, and listen to what he's praying here, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe that what you sent me. Let's just stay right there. Let's just stay there, just in verse 21. Jesus, and Jesus said, listen, the triune God, we are one. It's one God, one God. He says, just as I and the Father are one, he says, the believers, they have to be one. But it sometimes doesn't seem that way because Christianity has like 10,000 different denominations. And everybody wants to be relevant and everybody wants to say something. But then what Christ is saying, we have to be one, just as him and the Father are one. So one of the things we have to understand, if we want to overcome the deceitfulness of sin, we have to be unified. If you want to stop flirting with sin and with the flames of hell, you need your fellow brother and sister. You need one another. We need one another. We need one another. You think it's, it's not easy, you know, whether you're a pastor or not, it's not easy. It's such a relieving thing to know that you could be going through an issue and a brother, he doesn't have to be a pastor or anything, a brother or a sister could come and hug you and say, it's okay. Everything is going to be all right. And they could come and pray with you. I know you're going through some stuff, my brother. You might or you might not want to say what it is, but I'm here to support you. Hey, what a beautiful thing. What a, be what a beautiful thing it is because... There are a lot of mature people here, true age and spiritual maturity. And God has even placed you to be influential in the lives of the next generation. What a beautiful thing is for you to reach to an age of 70 and over, and you could impact the lives of the next generation. What a beautiful thing is for you to be a young person, and you could see an elderly person come and impact you. And help you to understand, don't make this mistake. Or don't go down that path. Do this and don't do this. And you know, sometimes we young people could be rebellious. But, okay, all the time. Yeah, not, not, not sometimes, all the time. All the time. My bad. Sorry about that error. Could, could, yeah. But you know, we understand that God has us to work together. Some of us have gone through very messed up situations but he has brought us out of them. And he has helped us to see them as a solid testimony that could impact others. Many of you probably might not have even told others your testimony. And you don't know, maybe your testimony could lead others to Christ. That's why we have to be united, people of God, so that we could overcome the deceitfulness of sin. I want to invite you to stand, just, just for a moment. Right? Um, we really want to pray for one another. I don't know if anybody needs prayer because we have our leaders here. And of course, we, we will be praying. 
Um, first of all, if there is anyone here that you don't know Christ as Lord and Savior, today is the day of salvation. The scripture says you don't wait for tomorrow. Today is the acceptable time. Today is the day of salvation. All right? Or maybe you might be here and you need prayer. We are here to pray with you as well. But one of the things I want to encourage you to do is where you are right now, reach out to God. You could just close your eyes. Reach out to God. I mean, he might lead you to the altar. The altar is open. No problem. We will not force you. Right? The altar is open. But where you are could also be an altar as well. Where, wherever you are, even if you go home, that could also be an altar as well. So, and I'm, and I'm going as how the Holy Spirit leads me here, right? Wherever you are, reach out to God right now. You know the situations that you're faced with. You know where you have fallen short. And don't pretend that you have not. Because the scripture says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You know where you have failed, God. I, I don't know, I'm not going to say God is revealing it to me. No, no, no. But he, he help, he's helping you to know. Reach out to him even now. Like forget about what's going on around you and just reach out to your father. Reach out to the one who is able to heal you and to mend your broken heart, to deliver you from sin, to set you free. There are many people here who are bound by sin as well. You're bound in all kinds of different chains, but God desires to set you free. Reach out to him right now. It's not about Pastor Chad. I can't do a thing. But Christ, oh my goodness. The scripture says, who the sun sets free, is free indeed. Don't flirt anymore with the flames of heaven. Reach out to him even now. Hallelujah. Reach out to your Father. personal persons here who have been undergoing a lot of demonic oppression as well. God is here to set you free. No demon in hell is more powerful than Christ. Reach out to him right now. And we are here to pray with you as well. Let's reach out to him, Father. Oh Lord, your people, we are here before you, oh God. We are reaching out to you. Lord, no theatrics, Lord. No theatrics. Lord, not for a show. Oh my God, Lord, we are so sorry. God, we are so sorry. Because these are the last days and many of us have been foolishly living for ourselves. And we have been flirting with the very flames of hell. But God, even now, Lord God, we repent. We repent. We repent. Oh God, we repent. Forgive us. Forgive us, Jesus. Sorry, oh God. Jesus. 
are so sorry, Lord. Jesus. Oh, Lord God. Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, I pray right now for your people, Lord God, for freedom for your people from every trap of sin. Lord, for you said who the Son sets free is free indeed. And he said in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, for this reason the Son of God was manifest that he would destroy the works of the devil. And I pray every work of the enemy will be destroyed in your people's lives right now in the name of Jesus. As your people surrender to you, as they surrender afresh to you, as they declare to you, Lord, my life is yours afresh, Lord. I am yours, O oh God. I know I've prayed it before, oh God, but Lord, I am yours. I am yours because I have been such a hypocrite at times, oh God. But I come before you now and I say, God, I am yours. I am yours. And wherever you lead me, I will go. Wherever you lead me, I will go. So, Father, I pray for freedom for your people. Freedom from every oppression, from every spirit of depression, from every fear, from every anxiety. Even for your people who are here who are sick, I pray for healing in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, healing, oh God, that they will believe by faith that they will receive of your healing even now in the name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus, from every back and joint ache, from every disease that has been hindering their lives, oh God. Father, I pray for healing and that we'll believe by faith, oh God, that you can do all things, all things, God. And Father, for every heart here who may still be hardened and every heart here who may not have grasped your word, I pray that, that this heart will receive you, O God. That they will hear from you in your way, O God, and that you will have mercy on them, O God, so that they could hear from you and understand what you are trying to say to them in this season, O God. Father, I thank you for this work you're doing in Sunshine Open Bible. Lord, may your S-O-N continue to shine, O oh God, in this place. Even beyond the S-U-N, Lord God. May your light perpetually be in this place, O oh God. And may your people never give any room to any power of darkness to linger and, and, and interfere with this ministry, O oh God. For Lord, when the enemy comes in like a flood, your spirit will raise a standard against it. Lord God, when the enemy comes in to flood your people with doubt and fear and turmoil, oh God, that you're going to help your people, oh God, to understand that the Holy Spirit is here to help them to overcome. God, I thank you for your people even now. May hearts be surrendered, oh God, to your flesh right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thank you guys so much for, um, the, for having me here today. Be vigilant. Let's go. Raise your hand. How many say, I needed to hear that today? Okay, look at Pastor Chad. Look at those hands. Let's go. Okay. Let's go. I appreciate this man and his wife so much. And he has never been gone from home this long. He's gone almost 20, it's 28 days, right? 28 days. And the most he's been gone is like three, right? 
10. And I thought, if, if you'd entertain me for just a moment, and you can be seated, I want to take up an offering for him and his wife that we can honor them and their ministry and also what God wants to do in him. There, there's a reason God has led him away for 28 days. And so we're praying for the work that God is gonna do in him, that he's gonna return back home. And he is going to be ready to lead his church into the coming season. And so I'm gonna ask the ushers to come. And I'm gonna pray over Pastor Chad and his wife, Crystal, and uh, the church in Kingstown. And we're just gonna believe that God is going to use them mightily. Even though that is a nation smaller than the population of Des Moines, it's going to have great impact beyond the few islands that it represents. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for Lord using your servant today. And God, as he said in his message that, that Lord, it, it is not a, a walk of religion, of ministry, of how we connect to you here in this church. And so that this is a work that goes out from here. And then Lord, we need to do business with you in our homes. Father, in private. And Lord, when we connect with others, God, may we be great representatives of you. And Lord, recognize that it is not the work of our own hands, but the work that you have done in us that displays, Lord, because of your salvation, we just need to freely accept it. God, I thank you for that promise and that hope because God, on our own, we, we could not achieve it. Lord, thank you for that word today. And God, for Pastor Chad and Crystal, that even though they have now been apart for about 21 days, 22 days, Lord, that you are stirring something very specific in both of them that God, when they're united this coming Saturday, Lord, that you have fortified things in their life that the enemy cannot tear apart. And that God, as you are calling them into this new season, Father, Lord, that you will lead, guide, and direct, that Lord, they will be so impactful for your kingdom. People of St. Vincent cannot deny this is a work of the Lord. God, I pray that you will bless them, strengthen them, renew them in spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Gentlemen, if you would. Again, we want to thank Pastor Chad for his message today. If you could just give him a round of applause for delivering the word of God. Church, I do believe that God is also ushering us into a new season. And so 
I believe he is preparing our hearts for what he wants to do here in our nation. And I think it's pretty clear if you want to see a nation come unto repentance, it starts with us. It starts with looking in the mirror. And don't look at that word as a word of condemnation. Be open to what the Spirit of God is saying and recognize it's an opportunity for conviction for all. So many times I have looked in the mirror and just thought, guilty, guilty, guilty. And I recognize it's the Spirit of God doing a work right here. So accept it, embrace it. Know that that is the Lord's love for you, that he does that. Because he wants us to be like him. And I'm choosing this day to say, God, I fall short in so many ways. But you are there to pick me up and show me that as long as I embrace it, I'm a child of the living God. I'm going to close in prayer. Father God, we just thank you so much for this opportunity that we have to come together in unity and be encouraged, God, to continue on this path to follow out after you. Lord, we just praise your wonderful name and all that you're doing in our lives. And Lord, as long as we continue with our eyes fixed on you, God, that is a path that is going to lead to righteousness. Thank you and praise you in Jesus' name, amen. Lastly, before you go, if you could just remember Pastor Chad and I in prayer, we are traveling to Casper, Wyoming. Many of you might remember that before we left, a, f a mutual friend of ours found his seven-year-old daughter dead in the bathtub. And for, for us as men, he was supposed to be on that trip with us to Thailand. And our hearts were with him as he led the funeral service for his own daughter and gave a salvation message and said, I don't understand why things happen the way they do, but I can still tell you I serve a God that is good. And so Pastor Chad and I, are, we're driving out to Casper, Wyoming, just to spend time with their family and love on them. And so if you could pray for us as we go, we'd really appreciate that. And uh, you'll see us back here Wednesday night, though. It's going to be a very quick trip. And uh, church, God bless.